Women in business, are you looking for a professional yet fun event to attend in 2020? The fourth annual Lakeside Conference will be held March 9th and 10th in Southeast Wisconsin, about an hour between Chicago and Milwaukee. Get the training, resources, and connections you need to catapult your business into more sales, smoother operations, and more ideal clients. The women that attend are high caliber, driven business owners, speakers, and leaders in their communities and industries. We would love to add your name to the list and meet you in person this year. Here are some of our former speakers telling you what they loved about the Lakeside Conference. I love your conference. I always tell everybody when my local friends ask me what conference to attend, I always say that the Midwest uh, Lakeside Women's Conference is the little conference that could. It is always one where you meet the nicest people, uh, people who you feel are walking in the same shoes that you are, which is really fun. And it's also really nice because it's a great location and many yes. of us get to drive there like a short day trip or a road trip. It's like a little mini getaway, but you get a lot done at the same time. I love that you give people these chances for coffee chats. And man, I just met the best women last year at your conference. Like so many amazing women who have become clients, who have become friends, who, who now I'm their client. It's just been phenomenal. It feels like family when you come. And so it only really takes a little bit of time before everyone who's there feels welcomed and open to the experience and feels like they've made friends already. And I love that you offer the high caliber of a conference that you do in the Midwest because it's not such an issue for me to travel when I can just hop in the car and drive to you. So it's been amazing too. The thing about this conference that I think is different about others that I've been to are the people. I can't think of a room that I go into where you feel more support and nurturing from the people around you it's not competitive, it's not senseless networking. It is literally genuine, hardworking women. There's so much value in the speakers, they're all fantastic. But it's the people in the room that change the tone of everything there and that's the reason that I will come over and over and over again. So I was really excited to really hear the speakers and I got to meet some of them and some of these people I've been following online for years and years and to actually meet them in person was super awesome and i love i did like the one-on-one -on -one. i talked with jacqueline malone i've been listening her to her and jessica's podcast for years and so that was really exciting for me to actually sit and talk to her you know there's certain people that i got to meet at that that was that was probably my favorite thing it was just such a great experience for me to get outside of the twin cities or you know and these are people that are from all across the country that are doing these things and so that was the first time i've really gotten to meet bigger like names we would love to meet you this year at the Lakeside Conference. Please join us and grab your registration ticket today. Go to womensbusinessworkshop.com and click on the events tab. You are listening to season two of the Women's Business Workshop podcast, the Lakeside Conference speaker series. In this episode, we're talking about standing out in your market. What makes us stand out amongst the competition? How do we find our unique positioning to combat saturated markets and busy marketplaces? Sue Monheit, also known as the Gift Biz Gal, has been working in the retail and online space for over 25 years. 
After 15 years in corporate sales and marketing to both boutique shops and larger brands, she went on to open two profitable businesses on her own. Today, she owns the Ribbon Print Company, a gold standard business offering custom ribbon printing systems so businesses can provide product specialization right in their store or craft studio. As host of the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast, she provides free content weekly to assist those searching for answers and how to start and grow their business. Hi, Sue. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Robin. I'm really excited to be here today. Well, we're excited to have you. And we met originally through a mutual friend when she suggested that we collaborate for your Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. And that was back in 2017. Robin, it's so long ago. It feels so, so long ago. I know. I was thinking it's like two, three years ago, but that 2017 sounds long, doesn't it? It does. It does. (laughs) I was super impressed with your professionalism in the entire booking and follow-up process of being on your podcast. I just have to let you know that. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell us a little about your business and your podcast and how they've evolved? Sure. I actually, I left corporate, um, stayed home with the kids for just a couple of years, but I'm one of those people, and I'm being honest with myself, there are probably listeners who feel the same way. You know, you love being a mom, but there's something else. For me, there was the love of business. So I thought about going back, but getting back on the plane all the time, traveling all the time wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, It wasn't my story that I didn't like corporate and was trying to escape corporate. That wasn't it at all. My story was I wanted to be home with the kids. But when I was with home with the kids, I found that there was something else still that needed, I needed for fulfillment and that was business. So I opened one business um, that we're not going to talk about for time, but that morphed into the ribbon print company. And it's really interesting, I think, how you start one thing and you see what happens, you gain more knowledge, you look at your market and things kind of switch and evolve. And that's been my story the whole time. Um, So the ribbon print company started out of my prior company called Basket Time. It was a gift basket business. And I just, I found a need in the industry that wasn't being filled that really helped me grow that business significantly to the point where it kicked me out of the house. I had a production studio, all of that. Um, So I saw the opportunity for growth with this product and so started the ribbon print company. So with the ribbon print company, the way we were attracting business was by going out to trade shows. So in-person selling and people would come up to the booth and we have a really interactive booth there because we print ribbon for people with their names on it right there. So everyone's super excited and everyone wants (laughs) a ribbon with their name on it. That's really engaging. That's fun. Yes. It's very engaging. Something people haven't seen before, which is super fun. Um, But so people would say, oh my gosh, you know, if they weren't buying, I get one of two reactions. One would be, when I start my business, this is absolutely something I would like to integrate in at some point, which would lead to the conversation of, well, let's talk about it. Like, what are you doing? Are you going to start your business? And I'd find that people were just afraid to start. They thought there was one way. And if they didn't do it exactly right, everything was over. Like they couldn't start a business. So fear of starting. So that was one reaction we'd get. The other reaction we'd get is, I love this idea. When my business is making enough money, I'm definitely going to purchase a ribbon printer, which would get into the conversation about, oh, well, what are you doing to attract business? How's it going? Et cetera, et cetera. And I'd find opportunities there to also help people or offer some advice, et cetera. 
So this continued to happen over and over again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know so many things from my corporate world where I could be helping people. And that was then like the light bulb moment for me of starting the podcast. Because I was never ever thinking of becoming a business coach. That, that name actually kind of still sits funny to me today, even though I that's agree. what I'm doing. <laughs> I agree. Um, because I never thought, in fact, when I left corporate and started my gift basket business, people are like, Sue, that's like so weird. Why are you not business coaching? And I just, I, I didn't want to do it at that time. And I'm glad I didn't because now having started my own businesses, I think my depth of knowledge is just more. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of how that happened is, uh, you know, I started the podcast thinking that I wanted to just provide information, show women it is doable. The, the listeners to my podcast are um, a community that I define as gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. So they're interested or already have turned a hobby or a craft, something that they make with their hands into a profitable business, which doesn't mean down the road they don't don't have a factory making for them or, you know, something like that. But inherently, this group of people have some different challenges than other people. So that's the community I've elected to focus in on. And it makes me happy every single day. I think that's a really common thread in a lot of entrepreneurs' story is that at least a lot of the women that we attract to the conference and to my group is that they have had a different background. They try to parlay it into a business, but that business may not be the same all the way through. That we start with one thing and maybe it's something we're passionate about. I know for me, it started with crafting and it was something I really loved. However, once I had to do it as work and the production part, right. it, didn't, it wasn't as fun anymore. And then I found I wasn't doing any of those things for my family because I was doing them. I was getting burnt out of the process, but it did lead me to, to other businesses. And I think, like you said, because I've had a lot of those experiences with product-based and service, it really broadened your knowledge and helps you bring a lot more to the table with each business that you open. Not saying we should all open 50 businesses and pivot every other month, but I do think that's pretty common if you didn't go to college to be a business owner, start a business straight out of college with a business plan you created in college. (laughs) I think most of us really have pivoted quite a few times along the way. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's something to be said about people who start a business close, start a business close, and wear a label like, oh, I've had 15 businesses. Well, the question begs itself, why have you had 15 businesses? Sure. You know, so, so I think there's a line there too. But you bring up a really good point, Robin. And I, whenever it presents itself, I really think, you know, I don't talk about this enough, um, is exactly what you said, is if you love something that you're doing, especially in my community where you're makers, if you are going to grow your business to the point where it's profitable and possibly a life-sustaining income, you're probably not going to be the maker as you are today, later. You're going to be the business owner and the strategist, and you're going to have other people coming in and making because you as one person simply can't have the output to make enough product and fill the orders. Again, if you want to be, you know, if you want this to replace a full-time income, for example. 
Definitely. It's kind of a reality that I think it is would be good for people to think about and consider as they're entering in, but it all depends on what, what they're trying to do in the first place. I mean, I have a lot of people in my community who, you know what, they do love what they're doing, you know, working for somebody else. They like the insurance that they're getting, you know, all mm -hmm. the other benefits, but they want to do something else on the side that's fulfilling to, in their heart, you know, and the supplemental income is really what they're looking for and not necessarily a full-time replacement, you know, and that's different for everybody, you know, why you're actually starting your own business. For sure. I feel like there's a tipping point with product-based businesses and you can share your experience with this where you're doing everything yourself and then you have to decide at what point is it worth it to start hiring do you see that as a struggle for a lot of product-based businesses? Yeah, it's a struggle because they don't think anybody can create their product like they can. Sure. Right. So, so there's that. You know, if, if people want to grow, there's getting over that. And what I try to work with people on is you're still the designer. It's still yours. You're just not doing all the labor part anymore, whether it's hiring a factory or hiring other employees to come in to work with you, et cetera. So that there's that. But honestly, there are also some, I'm just going to generalize and say makers, okay, who don't want to go that way. You know, don't, I had a call the other day with someone. She's like, oh my gosh, there's this big um, outlet who wants to pick up her product. And she's like, I don't think I want to do it. I don't want to have to be bogged down and burdened with making that much product. What she really likes doing is going out to craft shows, interacting with her audience, showing up on Facebook Live. She has a membership product type program where people um, buy in each month and then they get like surprise kits of all her products. She's in women's pampering. So like sugar scrubs, lotions, bath bombs, things like that. She says, this is what I really love to do. And I'm afraid, you know, entering into this other opportunity will take me totally off. She says, well, and so her question to me was, will I ruin my company if I say no? Sure. Like, am I missing an opportunity? And because I say no, like she's thinking the word's going to get out that she said no, and she'll never have an opportunity like that again, or her customers would be angry with her, or like, you know, all these ideas, or she, she'll never be able to grow bigger. And, you know, there are some people who they don't want to grow bigger. You know, that's what's so wonderful when we have our companies, you know, even um, you and I, Robin, with coaching or events like you're doing, you get to choose what you want to do. You know, you right. get to choose how big your event is. What if, heaven forbid, your event was 3,000 people? <laughs> so then you'd have to go, like, would that still be fun? I don't know. Yeah. And no? I, in that example, for me, no. <laughs> yeah. Cause because the, you lose the intimacy. Exactly. Right? Yes. We try to cap it. Our goal is to cap it at about 125 because we feel like after that, it loses what makes it special. Exactly. I'm happy to do a different event with 3,000 people. <laughs> but that particular, well, yeah. Yeah. the Lakeside Conference, we like it small because then it has, has more transformation for our audience. Right. Right. So I think it's, I mean, a reality check, and this is something that I teach in my program is, you know, it's one thing thinking about your business being bigger. It's another thing living in the day-to-day -day of your business being bigger, right? So there's another gentleman that I've worked with. Uh, he's a potter and he has a shop in Wisconsin and people like to come in and watch him do his pottery, like family on the weekends, that type of thing. He also sells at craft shows. He doesn't want to get bigger either because he enjoys interacting with people. He enjoys his downtime. He, he lives right above 
his shop. And he says, you know, I don't want a factory. I don't want mass production of my product. That doesn't feel good for me for my whole life, you know, Mm -hmm. for his personal side of life in balance with his business life. So it all goes back to what do you really want in your life? And this new, these new opportunities that come by, will they affect it and then be in alignment with what, with what you want? Or will it pull you away from what you want because of this thought that you always have to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? Yeah, because you can grow yourself out of the love you have for what you're doing. I agree. And, and I'll play devil's advocate for a little bit that I have found sometimes we think we don't want to grow, but it's really fear that growing will change things and it will get out of our control or putting ourselves out there then puts us in a vulnerable position. If we stand out and, and grow, how will that change the people who know us now? Sometimes things change when you advance in your career or if your business gets bigger. So I have found some women that I work with have that as their mantra that they want to stay where they're at but really a lot of it is fear of branching out and getting bigger. Do you ever see that? I agree with that too. Yes. There's a lot of soul searching to be done as you make your moves with your business too. So yeah, I mean, it's a nice, easy excuse, right? Not to grow when really there's other reasons. You know, it could be what we were talking about earlier, just kind of like the ego that's attached with your product that you make every piece or the idea of, yeah, the bigger, what are people going to think? You know, your relationships change, you know, all of that. For me, honestly, uh, with the gift basket business, I didn't start that business because I liked making gift baskets. In fact, I had never made a gift basket before I decided <laughs> I was going to do the business. I liked the business part and the purpose behind what gifting gives to employees client retention, you know, those types of things. And I felt that the product was a means to that goal. So it didn't, for me, as much matter about the product as the benefit of the product, if that makes sense. That is exactly my story. (laughs) (laughs) I was making cheer bows for the cheer industry and it was for large gyms or schools. So it was a lot of wholesale. And I really didn't enjoy making them. I did not have my kids in that sport or that industry, but it was a way I could stay home with my kids and have control over my schedule and somewhat my income. But I had real young kids at the time. So it was a really tricky balance of wanting to grow, but really wanting to be home with my kids. So I I completely understand when I, when I got out of that business, that part was a relief (laughs) of not having to make the product. Right. Right. You know, what else I'm seeing now is a big trend are women who are looking to start a business of for themselves and and then looking in on what they love doing Mm -hmm. as a bridge into retirement. So maybe Mm -hmm. they're, you know, late fifties and they're thinking, well, at 65, I'm not going to be sitting on the porch in a, in a rocker. <laughs> you know, right. Like I have a lot of life left to do. And it might not just all be social, personable, like, of course, you know, charity events, getting involved in the church, whatever, but they're not done. I'm putting loose quotes around the word working. And so they're looking to start something that then they can start building to the point that when they retire, they're not just like falling off a cliff lost with what to do. They're bridging into something else. I've seen that as well. I've had a couple of women that have come to the conference that have a different career 
and really are burnt out in that career. And they're ready for something a little lighter, a little more fun and less hours for retirement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is super exciting. If I mean that to me, that would be my passion of how can I help you make that happen? Right. Right. Well, and I also think I have a girlfriend who's retiring uh, the end of this year. So in just a couple of weeks here, but for a while, you know, once you've got that mindset that that's happening, it's like you just, everything that has been a frustration point in a business (laughs) grows, right? Like, and so having something that you're building on the side that you're excited about kind of helps you get through until finally you've got that day when you can close the door on your corporate life and move on. Yes. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So your client base of product-based businesses is very clear with your call for gifters, bakers, crafters, makers, which is brilliantly niched. And I love that catchy tagline. (laughs) Thank you. I've watched the community that self-identifies as creatives really blow up in the last few years. Um, Have you seen a change in the product-based industry with this insurgence of the creative culture, or at least with how it's presented in, you know, online or in the media? Yes. And it's really exciting because, you know, in the past, let's say 20, 30 years ago, that was the time when all the malls were going up, you know, and all the anchor stores and all, and then you think of like a Target or a Walmart or, you know, all of these big stores were showing up across the country, right? Some of the Mm -hmm. others kind of fell by the wayside or merged in with another company. And so the big thing was these mass stores, mass produced product, et cetera. Supposedly, I guess the idea was that it was better if it was mass produced through a factory. I'm not sure. Sure. Um, And that was the rage for a long time, right? So people here in Chicago, Chicago could get get the same thing that you could get in Dallas, like those cool jeans or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it was. Also, when, you know, the whole online industry came, came to be, you could do it even easier because you wouldn't even have to be near a physical store to get the same really cool purse that your girlfriend has who's from New York, you know, things like that. Now I think people are tired of it. They want to show their individuality more. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing a trend that having the exact same outfit, purse, earrings, shopping at the same stores and seeing the same things over and over again, when you're traveling and you're going to a different market, you didn't even have to leave your hometown, you know, to see the same things that are offered. I think people are starting to be over that um, and are looking for more individuality. That along with us being so much more conscious about carbon footprints Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much is it really costing with that beautiful product? I'm just going to say from Germany, not that I don't like international products. It's just an example. Okay. Sure. But the cost of getting it over here and, you know, even though it's quality, is there still quality American made, you know, another big trend, right? Also the trend of small business Saturday and Amazon handmade now too, right? So you're starting, and none of those would be growing unless there were consumers to support the makers, right? So that's the evidence that people are starting to gravitate to more personal products, more locally handmade products. And the thing that's the most beautiful about this is the relationships that our people are making and forming with the owners of these companies and the creators of these products. You you can go to a craft show 
or even as a, let's say a, you decide you're going to do wholesale and you go to, you know, you're exhibiting at more of a trade show. So, or, so more of a business to business show versus a craft, which is to the consumer show. Mm-hmm. You're getting to know the people whose product you're um, showing in your shop or product where you're placing. You get to know those shop owners. There's much more of a relationship element now to purchasing, which I think is beautiful. I love the in-person. Obviously, I create in-person events, <laughs> but right, I right. just feel like there's such power in that. Uh, in our last episode with Jenna Redfield, we were talking about your local community and connecting with people there versus just online and had a lot of good information about even if you're an online business, there's still value in connecting with your local community. And I think a lot of women find it much more rewarding to know their customers. And I always got really good feedback and good research when I had big in-person events locally to see what people were looking for, what designs they liked. You could overhear them talking about your product, which sometimes you have to ignore (laughs) the whole, oh, I could make that. (laughs) Oh, right. right. But other than that, I, I, I really think that in-person really matters. And I love a craft fair. I mean, I loved craft fairs before I had, before I had a business. And I don't know about you though. I will say walking through a craft fair and walking through the aisles, I just want to go up to certain vendors and say, you know, if you put this here and if you stood over here <laughs> to this, you would get a lot more people coming into your booth. So oh my gosh. Well, and how about not looking at your phone and actually talking with people who are there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was yeah. just at the one of a kind show here in Chicago, which is a huge handmade show. You know that. I'm just saying that for anyone who's listening who might not know, of course. I go there for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's fun because I love craft fairs like you. I mean, my heart starts going faster when I'm Mm. like walking into, I just love them so much. Mm -hmm. I go because I love them. I'm going obviously to buy things that are fun that I would never make myself. I'm also going to look for podcast guests, like to find people's stories, you know, if they have an interesting story, because I do find people there. So I go with that business intent, but I'm also looking at examples of things that are being done well and things that aren't. Mm -hmm. And by far the biggest issue, and I I actually took a picture of this, I have to tell (laughs) you, but I took it from the back. So, and I, if I ever used this, I would mask identification on it. Sure. But there are two booths right next to each other. One booth, millions of people in there, right? Another booth, still beautiful product, different product, but beautiful product. The woman's just sitting there on her phone, not even looking up. Okay. No one's in the booth. Nobody. So she's not trying to engage with anybody, bringing people in the booth. Same show, same day, (laughs) same everything. Yes, a different product, but like the difference in terms of the success, you can clearly just extend that story out and figure out which person was successful and which one wasn't. And so a big gap I see a lot of them missing in their booth is any kind of follow up. If someone comes Mm. and they don't buy and they leave and there's no plan for follow-up or strategy for connecting with them outside of the craft fair, 
I mean, then you're really just selling that day, but to make it more beneficial, I have where I have to ask for their card. I don't even see their company name anywhere. And I know that's not what every crafter is looking for, but if you've spent all this time getting ready for a craft fair, sometimes we would have our biggest sales after the actual craft fair. Absolutely. People might not be in the market for what you have to offer at that exact time, but how are they going to, how are you going to stay top of mind or be able to reconnect if they ever wanted to? So, I mean, I see craft fairs are so much more than just selling your product during the two or three days of a show, I think. It's a great place for focus groups, understanding which of your products sell the best, getting feedback from people, possibly for product line extensions, um, and then building your email list. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, being able to communicate with them later. It's just, it's such a wealth of opportunity. So, and they're fun. They're tiring. They're tiring. No question about it, but they're also very fun. Right. I used to like doing them. Um, I think they're exhausting. If you do have to do them every weekend, that would never be able to be in my business model personally, even though I do like interacting with people. I always thought there should be a company that hires high school kids that come in. You can book them the day of the craft or the night before or when you set up and they take everything from your car and bring it to your spot. And then they do it again. Um, on the flip side, I did do one craft fair where they voluntarily had high school students, but that's because it was a sports booster, uh, funded craft fair. But I always thought that'd be a good business idea. That would be good. You know, kind of like what they do at trade shows. You know, I'm, I still go out to lots of trade shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm out, um, uh, you know, once I tried 12 big shows and that was just too much for me because um, yeah. I'm talking big, big shows, you know, where we have this big, huge eight foot by eight foot container that comes in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the bigger shows, they do, you have to pay for it, of course, and it's right. not cheap, you know, with, you know, the union laws and all of that. But they do have people, you know, the drayage where you, they bring all your stuff to your booth for you. Um, but yeah, that would help because you're right. Setting everything up and tearing it down is the worst part. Yes. You could just like show up and go, well, bigger people do that. You know, the bigger companies, they have people who come in and set everything up and then the employees just come and work the show. Yes. That sounds so, like a good plan. Yeah. But there's <laughs> like another that. way to do this. There's another way to do this at craft shows. It's called family. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, my kids, family. my yeah. kids used to have to come and help lug everything. And I had these big white grids and to this day, now they're in our garage, but to this day, the kids will be like, oh, those were the worst. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's all just, it's kind of the family makeup, what, what how the ages are of the children, things like right. that. Because I've seen some families who, th- this is what they do. They travel yes. and go to craft shows, you know, all the weekends. Of course, the kids are in school during the week, so they're limited a little bit in terms of, you know, the shows they go to for traveling. But I've seen where parents will make it fun too. They get to bring a friend with them, you know, especially if they're going in the car because then they're not having to ship product anywhere. And so they make it into an event for and a fun event, you know, not just a working event. I involved our kids in my businesses throughout the years. One of the things I loved doing was having them come work any of my shows and it taught them about customer service and being polite. And I taught them about upselling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I think Mm -hmm. it's a great foundation for them before they get a real job with a boss. That's really smart. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. already know how to interact, hopefully. Yeah. 
So I'm going to take it back <laughs> 10 or 15 years or so. And when I was in the makerspace prior to Facebook groups, YouTube, and online tutorials, if you wanted to learn how to make something, you had to either figure it out. Or I remember like at midnight scouring forum archives, trying to find bits and pieces of information on the product mm. I was making. Yeah. And then once online groups came about, it was like all the insider secrets were out in the open. Tutorials, videos, how to make everything. And I remember a lot of the makers, this did not go over very well. And there's a lot of fear of scarcity and that there wouldn't be enough business to go around. But I still hear that now in a different way as far as the market being saturated. There's a bunch of people doing calligraphy or there's a bunch of business coaches. What would you tell business owners of online or service or product base that say their market is too saturated? Well, I would tell them first off they're wrong. And I'll first give an example that's super easy to understand. <clears throat> so Robin, you like jewelry, right? Sure. Who does? I'm guessing since I yeah. know you. Okay. Do you only buy from one jewelry source? No, of course not. Of course not. So you buy from different types of manufacturers. You're, it's still the same theme. It might even be, let's say, handmade earrings. I'm just doing an example. Mm -hmm. You might love one person who makes handmade earrings, but that doesn't say, okay, I'm only buying from her. You might buy a lot from her, but you're open and receptive to other options as well, right? Sure. So that's, that's a way to mentally reframe this thought. But then who would be those other people? So let's just stick with handmade earrings because I don't know why I brought that up. Hopefully that's a good enough example. Sure, sure. Yes, okay. because if it's vintage jewelry, we all know we're going with vintage meet modern with Veronica. Oh, without <laughs> question. There is not a question about that. But she's also a great example because there are other people who do vintage jewelry, right? Correct. Okay. So this is a really important thing for everybody to understand. And it's not just for product businesses. Okay. It's for your service too, but we're going to talk about it with a product. Okay. What you offer product or service is about 10% of the overall opportunity of success for your business and the way you stand out. The other 90% is what you create around your product or service. Okay. So let's take Veronica because she's a perfect example. Plus she's adorable. And I'm thinking a lot of people who are listening know her, right? Yes. Okay. So she brings so much background to her pieces, but she had large department store experience. So she, her background, she had a lot of information and knowledge. And from, if I'm remembering the story properly, her grandmother also, you know, that there was jewelry in the family for mm -hmm. a long time. So when you meet, or if you were to go up to Veronica and see her in person, she's not just going to be standing behind her table showing oh, gosh, you no. pieces. She tells you the history and the background of the pieces. She'll give you a story about it. She'll tell you how she came to acquire the piece. So it's this whole presentation. So that's knowledge. That's one thing she offers. The other thing is how cute and adorable is she? Right? Yeah. Just as a and person. So personable. Exactly. So your experience is not just around looking at all of these pretty things that she has available for you to purchase. It's hearing the story, interacting with her, 
And it's a whole thing, right? So that even extends farther than that because she does her Facebook live shows yes. too, where now she's extending it not just to person, but online showing her bubbly personality and fun. Is it perfectly curated and perfected and all of that? Doesn't have to be. She's just being herself. It is pretty. It is pretty good. I mean, in terms of the yes. professionalism, and she, it's and she's consistent. And 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 uh-huh. I see what you're saying about the ninety percent. There's so much more around it than just the strategy session from a business coach or the jewelry right. or the basket. <laughs> exactly. So take it from a service angle. Okay, let's go that way for a minute. If you are a well, let me just, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> okay. So for me as now a business coach, still getting comfortable with that word. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have narrowed myself. So business coach, millions of them, right? Right. And the beauty is all of us can be successful. You know, it doesn't mean that if I kept, you know, if I'm working with somebody, you could never work with them. You know, how many different online courses do we all take? different ones for different reasons, right? So it doesn't mean if someone's starting to work with you, they wouldn't also necessarily at some point start and work with somebody else. But I'm getting off topic a little bit here. Okay, so for me, I've narrowed it in on a specific community. Okay, so that specializes me a little bit more. I also, for my signature program, it's called Makers MBA, work clients through a very special framework that's called Gift Biz Builder. And the only way you can be exposed to this framework is if you're inside my Makers MBA program. Okay, so I've branded that product and that's me. That's the way I help people learn how to go to market with the handmade product. Okay, so for service people, it doesn't matter. I'm just, and I'm using that as an example just because it's something that I've created and now I'm monetizing. You know, that's the way I'm coaching people through this very specific system. You could do that as a photographer, you know, that there's a certain way, a certain methodology you use in walking your clients through from prepping to a photo shoot to actually doing the photo shoot to what happens afterwards. It's a system and this is your way of working with clients, right? So it's what you add, it's the personal touch and the addition that you bring to whatever your service is and it's always also your personality which is the scariest part because a lot of people don't want to show that when actually that's what will bring people to you and and have people love you not everybody but they'll love who you are as a person and 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 feel more comfortable about doing business with you right i mean it's the same with a doctor you know, there's that personality. Mm-hmm. There's some that you connect with well and feel very comfortable with and others that there's just something that it's just not a right fit. Even with our hairstylists, you know, that, that what the final product really matters, but the conversation for the hour and a half you're sitting in the chair, is it too much? Not enough. Weird topics. I mean, there's so much that that 90% really brings into the game. I love that analogy. Yeah. And it's, it's really, when you, when you get this, it's so true. So we have shop here in my hometown, Highland Park. It's called the Cookie Joint. 
well, it's not actually a shop. It's a production facility and you can buy product online, et cetera, et cetera. They make a particular cookie called cookie fries. They're actually shortbread cookies, but they're mm. shaped like a French fry. They're put into a container that's as if it were like a cardboard container sure. that you'd get at, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, wherever. And they have little dipping sauces too. So chocolate, cherry or like you know raspberry maybe i'm not sure i'm not the saucy Ooh, type person no right? sounds wonderful yeah but so here is a way that there's a point of differentiation within within the product as well now do they sell other types of cookies yes but they're known for their cookie fries so the sure. cool thing about that you know whether it's a process when you're a photographer that you take them through my process with my programs cookie fries you know with the cookie joint um you know wherever it is now you've given people something to talk about with your business so it's not just oh you know the cookie joint they have really great cookies now it's the cookie joint their cookies are so delicious and they have this one kind called cookie fries and then you know that you share your experience with it so all of a sudden just indirectly you're placing stories with people to talk about your business. I love the cookie fries. I'm going to have to try those next time we're in the Chicagoland area. Or <laughs> try go. to find them maybe online. I'll have to, maybe I'll bring some with me. Oh, that would <laughs> yeah, be fantastic. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you know, that one little thing. And I can talk about how, how people do this all day long. Uh, but it's just the one little thing when you're able to place a story and become known about something. Do you know Sweet Pete's Candy Store? I don't from, think they're so. in Lake Forest or they were in Lake Forest. I'm not sure if they're there anymore, but, but it is a national store. I think they have a store in Florida, wherever. So Sweet Pete is one of the owners. Okay. It's a husband wife team. Mm -hmm. He actually kind of looks like this in person, but they have a caricature of him with this hair coming out, like in all different angles of his head. Was, He's, was he on the profit? Yes. Okay. Yes. You know I saw that episode. About. Yes. Okay. Yes. So his image you know, now represents the brand. And so it's so fun when he's around because you, you totally know it's Sweet Pete, but I'm telling you the story about him, right? And so now you're remembering the company a little bit more because of what I'm telling you, not because they have great candy. And all of these things, these examples you're giving are people that took a risk and stepped out from their safe little zone, let's say yes. making the same kind of shortbread cookies as everyone else is a really safe place to be. But stepping out with something different, I bet there were people that told them that will never work. People don't want cookies shaped like fries. But right. doing that and stepping out and not letting fear hold you back helps you stand out. Same with Sweet Pete. He might think, well, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to, everyone to think of me that way, but that is his personality. And that, right. and so there's a vulnerability there, I think, and a fear that perhaps stops people from stepping out. And I know I've found with a lot of my clients, because they were perhaps a physical therapist that worked within a hospital system, that's a safe place to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But then if you're stepping out on your own, it's a really vulnerable place to be if you say the way they were doing it there is not the best practice and not the best way. I'm going to come up with my own way that I feel like is more transformative. That's a risky place to be. 
And I feel like a lot of women, we hold ourselves back from that because it's really putting yourself in a place of vulnerability, but that's where the goodness is. And that's Mm -hmm. where these great, unique companies come from. Well, and I would suggest that you're already limiting yourself if you do it the same way everyone else is. For sure. You know, is it Sally Hogshead who says different is better than better? Like, don't just make a better candle make a different candle. Oh, yes. I like right? that. Because then you're not competing. You're in the same industry. You're in candles, but your candles are different. Yes. So, and, mm. somebody, and, and, so the thing, and, and the thing is, some people won't like what you do. Right. You know? And that's and okay. That's, Bless and release. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and potentially, some people might not like or it doesn't catch on let's go with a product let's say you create a product and it doesn't catch on that doesn't mean you can't do it it's the concept that's important first Mm -hmm. just to understand the concept of how to get visibility and stand out then you find what's going to make it work always you every all it's always you because you can't or shouldn't change you right? You can't change who you really are. And if you try to act like somebody else, it's just going to look fake. So that's where I say you can't really change who you are. So who you bring to the table as a person is pretty much what it is because you want to be genuine and authentic. But when you want to start creating a system around the way you will manage things, such as the photographer or creating a new product, um, yes, it might work and catch on. Maybe it doesn't. But if it doesn't, find another thing right? Because the concept, the overall concept is the more important part than how you actually do it. And just an example on a larger scale with a corporation, think about big, large companies that their original owner goes and does something that the general public does not like, (laughs) where the original (laughs) owner did some, did things that people don't like. And even though he's not really associated with the company, anymore people boycott the product and that's right. a, that's on a much larger scale but that that just shows how whoever the company belongs to whoever's the face of the company their personality really does matter yeah i have a great example can i give another example yeah of course everyone's going to know this one okay who in the world ever thought that a brand new unknown person could make such a mark in the bedding linen industry, right? Let's talk about Mike Waddell with my pillow. Sure. Right? And now he's expanding into sheets. Who ever would have thought that that industry could be penetrated to the level that it is? But what does he do? He shows his face on TV all over. You know, that's kind of how mm-hmm. he started. He did something different in terms of something being washable, better night's sleep, you know, all of that, and US made. Minnesota, I believe it is. Minneapolis, right? Minneapolis, Minnesota, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And like he's blowing it out of the water. And who could have thought that that would be an industry that had room for anybody new? Yes, it does. (laughs) Yes, it does. Look at vacuums with Dyson. Yes. I mean, vacuums have been the same for years and years and years. And it was, I'm going to do it differently and just went and did it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but as far as not worrying that the whole, oh no, the vacuum industry is going to be mad at me. People aren't going to like my new invention. Well, if it works better, 
we're going to like it. <laughs> right. And people want things that are new and updated too. Yes. So I love when people find a problem and create a solution. Those mm -hmm. are some of the most fun. And if we just look around our daily life, like, don't you so often, like someone creates something, it's like, oh, that was so obvious. Like, right. was why didn't I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could have bought my beach house. Yeah. So. Well, last year we, we got to eat dinner together. I don't know if you remember um, the do. first night with Nikki Roush and Billy yeah. Ann Grigg. And that, that's one of the things I love about the conferences for dinner. Everyone's like, hey, let's just all go up to the restaurant. And um, I feel like when you eat together, you really get to know someone. Yes. And, yeah. and I was super impressed and you really fit right into the group at the conference. Oh, thank you. Uh, I love you. <laughs> you're just very real and very down to earth and very approachable. And just, it was really such a fun time to get to eat dinner with you. Uh, I'm wondering what is your, what was your favorite part of the event? First off, I love the venue and I, cause I think it sets the stage for the whole atmosphere of the event. It's just very comfortable cozy, love the community that it's in, which really doesn't matter. But I'm quite sure you picked that venue because you knew what type of a, an atmosphere you wanted to be creating for everybody. Yes. And the women that get attracted, everyone is so open, so helpful. And kudos to you, Robin, because you don't just provide fluff. I mean, you really get into the topics of the things that people are really concerned about. So those are things that I love. I also really like the one-on-ones that mm -hmm. you do. Those are fun. So I did a one-on-one -on -one with Lindsay last year and we like, I pulled up my computer. We looked through my website. She told me a couple of things she thought I could be adjusting that, you know, just style wise would be sure. good. So I walked away with something really tangible to do and easy to do. And some other insights, of course, and all of that. But I just, overall, the event is so warm, so welcoming, so energizing. You know, when you leave, like you're on a mission, a passion, right? And a lot of really, really good information. Well, so. we take a lot of time and energy <laughs> to mm -hmm. come up with those topics. Holy cow. People, I don't think, realize how much behind the scenes strategizing, researching, we do for each of the speakers and for the topics. And honestly, a lot of times we choose the topics first because we want what the audience needs in the modern business right now, what's happening, what, right, what our audience right. is really looking for. The one-on-ones mm -hmm. are a way that we try to stand out from other conferences, speaking of standing out, because I usually you don't have any access to the speakers. They come in, they speak, they leave. And what I love about the speakers at this event, they're so generous. They'll sit in the audience. You can sit next to them at dinner. And the one-on-ones just, I think, can be one of the biggest transformational parts of the event is having that expert look at your business specifically. Yeah, and I, I guess I would also say that there isn't like a line between the speakers and the attendees. You Correct. know, speakers get to be both right? I mean, I'm looking forward to this year for some of the people that are speaking on topics that I want to know more about, you know? So I'm also an attendee. I'm both. Our philosophy is that everyone has something to offer and you may be an attendee one year and a speaker another year or a speaker one year and attendee the other year. That it's just a big group of really dynamic driven women getting mm -hmm. together for two days. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, I, I also like about the venue, there's like a lot of little nooks and crannies because mm-hmm. last year I got into some great conversations with fellow attendees and learned from them too. I mean, there's just so much knowledge in that room. Yes. And the, the venue too is really fun for headshots because we offer those too, because there's a lot of cool little backgrounds that are unique. True. True. And always, this is a hint for everybody. And if you're coming, I can't wait to meet you, but every time there's a headshot opportunity, I always take it. Yeah. Um, you can never have, have too bunch. many. <laughs> never, never, because you want to switch them out, you know, different right. seasons, different looks, different feels, you know, all of that. So. And dress for them. Because this is, this is another thing I always am trying to be conscious about when I'm going to an event is that I will be in the pictures, the promoter will use the pictures to promote the event. So you want to look professional. And if you can be in your brand colors or at least something that's on brand as far as uh, what you do and what you offer, I feel like that's a smart move. Yes, I agree. So this year you're returning to the conference as a breakout speaker, which we're super excited about. And your (laughs) your title for your session is how to stand out in your market and attract sales. What can someone expect to learn in this session? Well, it's really a deeper dive on things that we've talked about here. So I'm going to present the concept in a little bit deeper form and then give you a number of ways you can consider this over and above what we've talked about here. But these have been a few examples of things that you can apply, probably things you already have going in your business. You're just not talking about them. You know, so some things that you could integrate or some things that if you just highlighted them more you would stand out and you would be different and you would, here's the key, get people talking about you. Because let's face it, there are lots of Facebook lives you can do. You know, you can sell products to people, but when you get people sharing the word about you, that's when the magic happens. And every business can find new ways to either niche down or stand out or improve your messaging. And I don't think you ever really graduate from that process. So I know I'm excited to hear you go more in depth on how we can do this, regardless of where we're at in our business. I think this is a topic that kind of transcends your phase of business. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you don't want to do this all too often, but sometimes there's a need for a freshen up. Mm -hmm. There needs to be something new. You've been in business for a while. You don't want to just be the same old, same old. Oh, I already know about that. You you want to be giving people new information to talk with you about. And there may be something you're not leveraging or something that because you're in your business all the time, you don't even notice that could be. Yes. Really important point, Robin. Yep. You're also offering the one-on-one consulting sessions that we mentioned before. And normally your strategy sessions are a few hundred dollars. So this is a rare opportunity for someone to sit down with you in person and have a complimentary session. What are some topics that would be good to work through during these sessions? Well, for product-based businesses, we can, you know, one of the biggest issues I find people having and, and, and a point that can make or break a company is pricing. So that could be a topic we talk about or positioning overall, you know, where is your company? Where are you stuck in terms of getting customers or the message as we were talking about? And then for service-based businesses, identify, identifying that unique thing. You know, especially if I don't know you, then that's interesting and fun because I can give my outward perspective and identify, like you were just talking about, sometimes you're so close to the business, you don't see what can be unique. 
sometimes there's something really unique that just isn't being pointed out or emphasized. Like maybe you do have a process and have never put a name to it. So you've never like branded it as being connected specifically with you. So when we find fun things like that, that's so exciting because that's something that with just a little bit of effort can have massive sales reward. So those types of things for one-on-one. So everybody make sure you upgrade to VIP because the one-on-one sessions are just for the VIP ticket holders. Anyone can be a VIP. You just have to um, select that when you check out to order your ticket. And Sue also has a discount code. So if you are interested in that, just contact Sue, find her online. Something we're really thankful for at the Lakeside Conference is that Sue's company has generously donated a scholarship, the Tamar Monhate Scholarship, and we will be able to select a attendee that can come to the conference for free. So we're going to be talking to some local organizations to see if they have someone that they think would be deserving and worthy of this free experience. So we really thank you, Sue, for that. I love that you do that, Robin. Um, Tamar was an artist, um, and unfortunately, she isn't here anymore. But to be able to remember her and pass on her love of of what she was doing um, is really meaningful, not only to me, but my entire family, because, of course, I've told everybody about it. So thank you for offering the opportunity. Oh, it's our honor. For sure. So if you wait to see who it is. (laughs) Yes, yes. So if anyone out there listening uh, works for an organization that works with women in business or artists or makers or crafters, uh, feel free to contact me if you have someone in mind. If you could give our listeners one action step they can take today to begin to truly stand out in their industry, what would it be? I think the biggest thing that we've been talking about, it's kind of been the theme throughout all of this, is one of your biggest advantages that nobody else can copy is who you are as a person. So I know it's scary to go out and be yourself and show yourself to the world, but it's one of the best ways that you can attract customers and get people to really love you. So being yourself, that might mean adjusting what um, your about page looks like on your website. Don't talk third party, talk you, why you started your business, why you have the passion for what you do show a little bit more of a personal side on social media so people can get to know you more. I know it's scary, but the benefits will come. I promise you. You have a few ways women can work with you between now and the conference. What's the best way to find you online? Well, I would love for people to listen to my podcast. Uh, It's called Gift Biz Unwrapped. You can also go to my website of the same name, Gift Biz Unwrapped. I do one-on-one strategy calls. I have a brand new course called Start With Confidence. This is people who are just starting out in a maker industry. And then my signature program currently is waitlisted. So I guess more on that probably when we get to the conference. Okay, great. All right, everybody, make sure that you reach out and learn about Sue. I think the conference is a lot more beneficial when you already know about the speakers and you know their background. It also helps for selecting your breakout sessions, but grab your ticket because breakout sessions do fill. So I want you to be sure that you can get the breakout session that really fits your phase of business right now. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us, Sue. I cannot wait to see you again in person. Me too. I cannot wait, Robin. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our chat. Yes. Let's have dinner again. Yes, for sure. 
Okay, everyone, thank you for listening. And now go get back to work. <laughs>